Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have session keyboardist Alex Wright. You're going to hear stories of Alex growing up in Maryland and what got him into music. You're also going to hear stories of his time at Berkeley, touring with Brett Eldridge, and having over 10 number one songs as a session keyboardist. I had a great time talking with Alex. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you at the end. How you doing today, Alex? I'm doing good, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. So getting right in your story, you were born in Rockville, Maryland. What was your childhood like? Yeah, um, probably not too dissimilar from a lot of other people. Um, the one key difference being uh, my, my parents are not musical. Um, but uh, yeah, I grew up in, in right outside of D.C. We're about 10 miles north of the city. Um, so kind of an interesting place to grow up with uh, all the politics and everything there. But uh, strangely enough, neither one of my parents or anyone in my immediate family is is in politics. We just happen to happen to be growing up there and a uh, great place to to live. Uh, enjoy visiting there. Still have uh, family and and uh, everything like that back back there. So it's a it's a cool place. Growing up on the East Coast, what was like the music scene like out there for you growing up? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, it's uh, obviously very different from Nashville. Uh, I didn't know pretty much any country. Uh, there was a lot of blues and jazz and, and honestly, uh, a lot of punk rock uh, roots there. So uh, most of my time growing up and, and playing in school band and everything like that was geared towards kind of jazz band and everything like that. And then on the flip side uh, was like being in rock bands with my friends and uh, acting like we were more hardcore than we probably were. For sure. Now, before you even picked up an instrument, who were some of like the artists or albums that you were listening to that you kind of resonated with that made you want to get into music? Man, I, I was all over the map. Um, so again, uh, neither one of my parents were were musically trained. Um, they were both fans of music, but they didn't play. Um, and they couldn't be further from one another. Uh, I always joke that my dad uh, would, in the car, we would listen to Raging Against the Machine and Motley Crue. And then in my mom's car, we would listen to Eva Cassidy and uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter. So uh, I had a pretty, yeah, pretty vast uh, thing. And it was always my dad being like, hey, uh, don't tell mom that we listen to Motley Crue on the way to school. And then, you know, I'd get picked up from her and we'd be listening to the Godspell soundtrack on the way home. So uh, pretty varied. And, uh, you know, honestly, one of those things that probably in the long run helped me uh, to, to be a musician today, just having... Uh, a wide net of of all those different genres uh, that I kind of grew up with. For sure. Now, when was the first, what age were you when you first laid hands on the keys or did your parents sign you up for lessons? Did you ask them to sign you up or did you teach yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's funny. I'm sure if my mom ends up listening to this, she will be cracking up. Um, my grandma and my brother, or sorry, my uncle, my mom's brother, um, they both were piano players. So I kind of was around it growing up. My grandma always had a piano at the house um, and she would always play and I would just kind of hop up and and play along with her. Um, and they noticed from a very early age that I was never like banging or anything like that. They, they claimed that I was like playing along musically, which I have some hesitations of whether or not that was actually the case. But um, shortly thereafter that they put me in piano lessons because I was interested in it. And uh, honestly, listening back to that David Dorn episode too, uh, kind of hearing him where he was listening to something on the TV and then he'd go run to the piano and play it. Um, I, I kind of had those experiences too. I play a lot from ear. Um, so, you know, I would listen to Jeopardy and be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, like kind of figure everything out and have fun with it that way. 
And once that started to happen, my mom was like, all right, we need to get you into piano lessons. So I kind of had a little bit of an introduction before, before I actually had lessons, but when it started was probably around, probably five years old when I started to take lessons. Wow. And then was it in high school you started playing in the rock bands you're talking about with your friends? Yeah, you know, it's funny. That's that's the one thing about piano is it's not exactly the the coolest instrument in the bunch. So uh, I actually started in fifth grade. It's kind of when school bands started. I was like, well, there's no piano. Um, I'm already doing that and that's fine and well, but I want to do something else cool. So I started drums. Uh, so I played like traditional snare drum in, in elementary school band and then continued that actually all the way up through high school. Um, and uh, ended up, you know, picking up guitar, basically being like, okay, I can play piano a little bit. I know this knowledge, but uh, I want to be cool and like impress girls and stuff. So I uh, decided that uh, I probably needed to pick up a guitar and play some drums. Uh, so that's kind of how those those things elevated for me uh, on, on my musical journey outside of playing keyboards. For sure. Now, coming out of high school, you chose to go to Berklee College of Music. A lot of yeah. musicians in high school's dream. Did they come after you? Did you go out searching for how to audition? What was that process like? Yeah, so uh, the high school that I ended up going to, uh, it's, uh, Blake High School in Silver Spring, Maryland, they have a fantastic uh, music and arts program. Um, and they had an incredible set of band directors uh, that kind of helped me uh, really realize my potential at that point and, and honestly give me... Uh, give me an opportunity to to be a little bit outside of the box not being just you know playing piano in the jazz band or or you know playing drums in the marching band uh they had a lot of opportunities outside of music um one that was very instrumental uh in in kind of forming my idea of being a professional musician was having a little jazz quartet that i ended up building and it was kind of school sponsored but kind of not it was kind of our own thing and it was other classmates of mine and we ended up playing uh you know all these private gigs around the dc area and that was kind of like wow this would be a really cool thing to do professionally um so with that kind of support system uh that that high school provided for me Berkeley was definitely an option. Uh, it wasn't something that necessarily came to me, but uh, it was always one of those things that was like, wow, I could, I could do all these kind of cool things in a wide variety, you know, outside of your classical music or whatever that most of your conservatories are. Um, so I kind of knew from then that it was like, wow, Berkeley would be a really great spot for me to, to end up. Now, when you ended up at Berkeley, was there anyone in your class that you kind of came up through with that is still doing music today too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. I, there's so many people even here in Nashville that I work with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis that that are, went to Berkeley. Lots of engineers and, and other players and even artists. Uh, Ingrid Andrus was one. Uh, we we weren't close at school, but we've ended up, uh, I played on her record and, you know, she's just crushing it right now. And she was maybe a grade or two below me um, at Berkeley. Wow. And um, yeah, there's there's always a handful of people um, it, it's funny, Berkeley and, and Belmont too a little bit. Uh, everyone who kind of has has that in their background doesn't necessarily wear it on their sleeve. You know, it's 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 kind of uh, one of those things like, oh, I show up to the session and be like, oh, I went to Berkeley College of Music. Like, let me show you how it's done. I feel like there's kind of that air to everything. So, um, you know, it's funny. It's kind of like, oh, did you go to Berkeley? Oh, you did? Yeah, I went to Berkeley too. So that's uh, <laughs> one of those things. But uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely no shortage of... Uh, of talent on on 
many different levels of the industry that that uh, went to Berkeley. Um, some of which who are, I've been friends with, and again, some we just kind of cross paths, and it's like, oh wow, we both made it here. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of that, which is probably the coolest thing uh, about going to school. Obviously, I learned a ton there, but it's the people that I've met and been able to continue those relationships with that um, really have been invaluable to me. Now, gra after graduating Berkeley, you decided to make the move to Nashville. Why Nashville? Mm -hmm. You're already on the East Coast. New York's right there. You could go to LA. What made you decide? Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's one that uh, probably my parents asked more than than anything. And and honestly, it comes back to uh, summer 2009. I was a singing and dancing cowboy at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. That's that's a, a rare thing that has been scrubbed from the Internet. But uh, uh, a couple of my friends who I was uh, in class with at Berkeley, they got this summer gig down at Hershey. And, you know, it was like a really good gig just in the summer. Um, it was pretty close to home for me. It was about an hour, half, two hour drive. So I was like, well, that would be kind of cool. Better than, you know, sitting at home doing nothing. Um, so I ended up applying and, and getting a gig down there playing with uh, actually my college roommate um, in a band. And we did country covers. Um, and that was really, uh, really my first foray into learning about country and everything again i had listened to some like again growing up on mary chapin carpenter but country was definitely not a staple in my household um and it really just piqued my interest because i was like man there's so much good keyboard work on this um you know it, it really allows me to dig in and kind of play a lot of piano play a lot of b3 and like be creative on that side of thing um so it really opened my eyes up in, in that perspective and um so yeah from there it was like well maybe i should check out Nashville and uh, going back to Berkeley too, they actually have a yearly trip uh, where they take a bunch of students down to Nashville and uh, they post up at uh, Warner Brothers Music and they kind of go around all the different studios and they have lots of master classes and interviews and uh, little experiences that you can do. So uh, after my summer at Hershey, I did that the following spring and, and I just fell in love with it down here. Um, and uh, actually ended up getting an internship uh, down here the following summer. So after that, it was kind of like everything, all roads led to Nashville for me, at least in that point. Yeah. Now coming to Nashville, did you have in your mind that you wanted to do session work right away where you wanted to go out on the road since you were fresh out of college? What was in your mind? Yes. Well, that's that's the funny thing uh, about kind of how I got to where I am. Uh, I planned it out completely differently. Um, so uh, when I was at Berkeley, I was a music business major, um, and I had every intent of coming down here and working in the industry um, on, on that side of things. Um, and again, I had mentioned I, I got an internship kind of off of that Nashville trip. Um, so I spent summer 2010 interning uh, here at Third Man Records, which is Jack White's record label, oh, wow. um, working for them kind of they don't necessarily have job titles over there. It's kind of everyone kind of pitches in and does everything together. Um, so it was a great experience kind of working at a label um, and, and doing everything that they do. They also have ties with, uh, you know, pressing vinyl records. And that was really at the start of when vinyl started to make a comeback. So I was like, it would be great to do something like this, either working for a label. Um, unfortunately for me, that I, there was not a position for me once I had graduated. Um, but I actually came down and started working uh, full-time as a booking agent, um, booking shows. And uh, while I was doing that, I was playing with a, a great artist who I'd actually met up in Boston who lived down here. Um, so I was doing some performing on the side as well. 
And that just kind of started to take off way more than the business side of things did for me. Um, so I followed that and uh, ended up touring for a number of years. I think I toured full time for about seven or eight years um, as a keyboard player. So it was a weird switch that just kind of ended up happening. And it was at the time, it was a little bit of a crossroads. And it just seemed like most of my opportunities were coming from the music side. So um, the playing side, I should say. Um, so I ended up doing that. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode, and I'd like to take a pause to thank this week's mid-break sponsor, ShadyVoo. Launching in 2016, ShadyVoo was created as a solution to expensive eyewear. ShadyVoo believes that between every pair of lenses is a doorway to a new world. So that's why I went and snagged two pairs of sunglasses from them. I love them, and I've been getting compliments on the street ever since I started wearing them. So go get a new pair of sunglasses for yourself at ShadyVoo.com. That's Shady. B-E-U.com and use code SVS20 for 20% off your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the episode. Now, when along that path do you end up meeting Brett Eldridge? Yeah, so uh, again, this dates back to uh, my college roommate, uh, Caleb Gilbreth is his name. Um, we literally were placed together at Berkeley. He's from Texas. I did not know him at all and uh, just got an email one day saying, hey, your roommate is going to be Caleb. He's a drummer from Texas. Um, and we kind of started this journey uh, together musically where we played on a bunch of stuff. So he was actually the one who played at Hershey Park and he, I went down to visit him that summer, uh, his first summer playing and he was like, you should try and see if you can play. So we ended up playing in that band. And then, uh, you know, years down the road, we moved to Nashville and he was playing in gigs and I was playing on gigs. It was always one of those things where we'd be like, keep pulling each other into these gigs that we were on. So like I would get one and be like, hey, you need a drummer? My buddy Caleb, like he'll come on and vice versa. Um, and he had been playing with Brett Eldridge for maybe about a year or two at that point. And uh, they had a keyboard opening pop up. And uh, fortunately for, for both of us, it was a lot of fun. I was able to get the gig and uh, we had a great time for a few years touring together with him. I feel like that has to be so cool for you coming up with your roommate like that. I feel like you just had to have moments on stage where you look at each other and be like, is, is this even real? Like we're here yeah. like, doing an amphitheaters right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you obviously get to spend so much time together when you're on the road. And um, it was nice to kind of have, you know, one of my longtime buddies uh, there alongside with me and getting to share all those fun things with him. And um and two, just having somebody out there to, you know, do all sorts of stuff with. I remember going on all sorts of excursions. We both love the outdoors and stuff like that. So if we'd be out on the West Coast, we'd find like a really good hike to go on and, and everything like that. So great musical experiences, great life experiences, and ones that I'm so happy that I got to share with him for sure. Now, when did you make the decision to kind of take some time off the road and maybe focus more on your session work? Yeah, so that that was one that kind of started near the end uh, of my time with Brett. Um, it's funny, I, I had started to play kind of remotely where people were, were sending me tracks and they would ask me to play on songs. Um, and it got to the point where I remember some days, you know, being on the bus out on tour and uh, someone would send me a song and be like, hey, you know, I'm playing this song. Uh, I just wrote this song with Florida Georgia Line. Can you... Uh, can you play keys on it? Like, I'd love to amp it up a little bit. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, my keyboards are currently on the truck that's coming in. It's, it'll be here in two hours. And, <laughs> you know, they're going to take my keyboard and set it up on stage before the gig here. But I guess I could pull it off and I'll set up my Nord in the back of the lounge in the bus and shut the door and hope that there's enough bus Wi-Fi that I can upload WAV files. Um, 
so kind of my last year of touring, uh, I, I kept thinking like, man, this is getting pretty difficult. Like there seems to be more and more of these songs um, and I'm trying to get them all done. But um, honestly, it was uh, a, a blessing in disguise for me, but uh, it was decided for me that uh, Brett ended up going in a different direction. And, and uh, that kind of left me with a choice of, of whether or not I, I wanted to keep on touring with another act or kind of working my way to studio work and uh, ultimately decided like, hey, uh, you know, I'm married. I figure that we'll probably have kids down the road. Uh, if there's any time to do it, uh, it's probably now. So um, again, kind of a, a blessing in disguise that uh, my touring career ended the way it did, but uh, it all worked out and um, uh, no bad blood between anybody or anything like that. Just kind of the way it goes sometimes on, on the road. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got to where I am. Now, fast forward to now, you're one of the most in-demand session keyboardists in Nashville. What's something that you've kind of learned, like, as you've take, had more and more time, like, in the studio? Yeah, um, well, first off, I, I don't know if I would put myself in such high regard. Uh, again, uh, David Dorn is, is definitely one of those guys. Dave Cohen is one of those guys. And, and honestly, uh, I've had so much uh, just cheerleading from them uh, for me uh, you know it's one of those things where the session community is so small there's not a lot of us and from the get-go I remember being like hey I'm off the road um, you know hitting those guys up and being like I don't know what advice you can give to me like I've been doing a little bit of this I'd love to get into doing more sessions um, and they've just been awesome so honestly it's it's listening it's it's hearing from these people that have been here before um, whether it's kind of this new class of session musicians or even the ones who, you know, have played on hundreds upon hundreds of hits um, and just listening, seeing what they have to say, seeing what their opinion is, um, seeing what's helped them, what's hurt them, uh, really just honing in on, on what they can offer. And, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, I, I look at kind of my path here. I mean, you can hear just from going over it, it's like, I've been up, down, sideways. I never thought that it would lead to this point, but um, sometimes you just have to find your lane and stick to it and just, you know, hope that it gets you where you're, you're looking to go. And, and fortunately for me, uh, you know, I've been able to do that. Um, but yeah, I would say, again, I, I can't say enough about those guys who have kind of paved the way for me as like a modern keyboard player or whatever, um, but they're just the nicest people and they've been incredible mentors for me and um, I'm lucky to call them friends now. Um, so that's probably been one of the biggest things that I can point to and say, you know, hearing from those guys who have been there before and continue to do uh, this at such an in incredibly high level, um, it's just an inspiration and a, and a huge help. For sure. Well, now one of my favorite projects that you've played on is Drunk Me. That whole Mitchell Tempest yeah. EP has such cool synths and keyboards. And I'm sure you yeah. feel the same way. What do, you, what do you remember about the time cutting that record? Yeah, um, Mitchell is uh, just a huge, uh, incredible artist, uh, just a huge inspiration, honestly. I, I love everything that he does. And um, he's one of the first people that uh, I actually got to play on their records. Um, Jordan Schmidt uh, produced pretty much everything that Mitchell has ever done. And I remember doing my first, first real like record was with Jordan over on the east side and we were recording that uh, Linden Avenue EP that he put out that had, you know, some of the songs and we ended up recording Trunk Me for that. Um, and then, you know, he got picked up by Sony and all that kind of got upgraded and everything. And 
that was really my first experience with being on a big record. Uh, Drunk Me was my first number one that I got to play on. And uh, it was Jordan's first number one as a producer and Mitchell's first number one as an artist. So uh, I'm grateful to be in that little trio uh, with them. And, uh, you know, we've been working hard on music uh, all this year. Mitchell's got a great album coming out here in the next little bit. So um, I think I've played on just about everything that Mitchell's released. <laughs> Uh, which is incredible. I'm I'm so pumped to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, he, he's just an incredible artist, as you know, great writer, uh, amazing voice and somebody I'm just always indebted to because, again, uh, my first number one and just somebody I'm always happy uh, when, when the phone rings and it's him, uh, if they're looking for, for keyboards. So I uh, loved getting to play all that stuff. Again, that early stuff is so fun. I, I still say Truck I Drove is one of my favorite songs that I've probably recorded on. Um, That's so funny. It's Truck, so funny. Truck I Drove is my favorite one off that album. and I still blast that one in my car. I Man, think that should have been just, a single. I know. It, it just feels so good. Uh, you, you can't help but smile. The lyrics are just so funny and it's just so relatable. I never had a truck and it feels like I did when I when I listened to that song. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I if, if everything had gone differently, I, you know, maybe that one would have got a chance at a single. Who knows? Maybe there's still time for it to be. But um, all that being said, Mitch is uh, just an incredible guy. I'm a great artist. He's been incredibly kind to me. And uh, I'm so excited for you guys to hear what he has up his sleeve because it's been a lot of fun working on uh, all the music that we have for him over the course of these last couple of years. Now, you also make uh, house music that you release yourself, right? Um, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, the, you know, from time to time, I kind of dabble in that world. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm kind of known as like the guy with the synths, um, but I've always loved EDM and everything like that. But uh, um, I, I do a little bit of that, um, but I, there, there is like a few guys named Alex Wright on there who are releasing house music. So I think it might, you might be, uh, seeing some <laughs> of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do dabble a little bit in that world, but I think the ones that are, that are like on iTunes or on Spotify that are under Alex Wright are, are, are not me. It's oh, some no. guy with my name, like in, in Scandinavia, who's, who's crashing it. Hey, well, um, at least it's not bad. At least yeah. it's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah job. so yeah but uh yeah there there was a time there where i was like again kind of always dabbling in a little bit of everything so like trying out weird edm projects and stuff but again those weren't under my name so if, if you're finding those that are that are under my name i think it's uh some guy in europe who's who's crushing it over there <laughs> now as someone who is hearing the music that's not out right now but maybe like coming out in the sixth and next one year on the radio where do you see country music headed you know, that's a great question and, and one that's uh, changing by the day, um, even even as I know, you know, what's coming down the line for these artists that I've played on that have records coming coming out. I think it's always changing and, and streaming has really changed how music is consumed and, and what those kind of guidelines are in terms of what you can do. Um, so really, I mean, it's it's so artist dependent. I mean, I know people who are trying to push the boundaries with sounds and how pop leaning it is. And then on the opposite of that, there's people who are saying, hey, let's make this as 90s country as possible, or let's make this as traditional as possible. And I think both are awesome and needed and there's an audience for both. So um, I personally love that there's, uh, you know, all those variables in play at any given time, um, you know, you might wake up and have a session on the books for an artist and you might say, oh, I know how this is going to be, or I think I know how this is going to sound. And then you walk in and they say, 
all right, guys, we're actually going to do something completely different. Like, are, are you down? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Let's, let's do it. Like, that sounds awesome. Um, so that makes my kind of day in and day out a lot of fun is, you know, I don't think everyone is heading in the, in the same direction. Um, I don't think anyone's heading in a wrong direction. Uh, the fact that it's multiple directions and everyone is kind of doing their own thing and, and chasing, you know, their true artistry. That's, that's what I'm here for. That's, what music should be so um is country music heading in a specific direction i don't know if i could say one way or another but um i like where it's going it's going a lot of places so for sure now i like to close all my interviews by asking my guests a piece of advice you've learned along your journey and i mean you've lived so many different lives throughout your musical journey yeah what's a one piece of advice you would give to other musicians out there and that's, that's such a great question. Um, and, and two, I, I think I kind of talked about it, talking about my peers uh, that I work with, um, you know, listen to, to other people who have been around you. Um, you know, if you're in a session, listen to what they're playing. Um, there's so much to be learned and so much to be inspired by, um, by all the talent that there is in, in this city and in other music cities across the globe, you know, um, it just, it always makes music better when, when everyone's listening to each other. And uh, that's just been a huge thing for me is feeding off of everyone else. And the other thing too, that I always talk about, you know, just because I've ended up doing so many different things, is just, you know, kind of follow your heart. And I know that sounds so trite to say, oh, follow your heart, but, you know, figure out what it is that you love, figure it as what that, that fills your cup up, that makes you want to get up in the morning and do, and go after it, man. Um, you know, it's one of those things where um, if you just be true to who you are and do what you want to do, uh, you're going to find success in it more likely than not, and you're going to have a fun time doing it. So uh, that's probably the best advice that I can give is just find what you want to do, find your own voice, and, and go after it. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Alex Wright. Alex, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you. Everyone, go follow him on Instagram at A underscore Wright. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with John August, drummer for Nico Moon. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee starting small music. I've been enjoying their tea bags of coffee at the studio, and I think you'd enjoy them too. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.